What a beautiful Sunday morning it is today. I can't wait to hear the amazing message that Pastor Brian is going to deliver as we continue our Seeds of Thanks series. God has designed life to begin from a seed. From what is planted comes much fruit and much harvest. At this time of year, our hearts are turned to what we are thankful for. What we have received began somewhere as a seed, a gift, a word, a moment that changed us. Maybe this year, out of our thankfulness, we should plant some seeds. Maybe we should be the ones who give a gift, speaks a word of hope, or gives our time away, so that someone else could know the fruit of thankfulness. Maybe it's time that we became seeds. I'm so glad y'all all stayed. It's awesome. Yeah, very good. And word is they're close to getting the bathroom situation resolved. So um, I'll let you know as soon as someone waves at me and says it is finished. So, and, and we'll all celebrate, right? Some of us will. So, um, you know, like Caleb was saying, God is the one who designs moments, even this one. It wasn't on our blueprint for things to go like they did this morning, but it has always been on God's blueprint. And just because I didn't know it doesn't mean that it isn't good. Amen. Mm. Life is like that, you know. Sometimes things happen that weren't on our blueprint, but just because it wasn't on my blueprint doesn't mean it's not a good thing. Good things come sometimes as interruptions to life. So this is a moment that has um, interrupted our plans, but not God's. So we are here this morning in what's always a holy moment, ready to receive from God, but today there's, there's an extra sense of awareness. Amen? Amen? So we'll all tune in at that level. So the Bible's clear that God is the engineer, not just of moments, but of life, period. He is the one who created all things. He has engineered time, the days of creation that happened as God said they happened in seven days, not seven eons, not seven mysteriously long periods of time, seven days. God's word is without error, without fail. If he says a day, he means a day. He doesn't mean something else by it. If he wanted to mean something else by it, he could have said something else by it, but he said seven days. Hello? So, you know, those are things sometimes that we look at and we think, ah, just seems so hard to believe. I just don't know. And I've, I've read so many other scientific theories. I get it. But the Bible is clear. To believe in how God created is not a function of your mind and your ability to understand it. It is a function of faith. It's no different than a miracle. It's funny, the people that struggle with a literal seven days of creation usually have no struggle with the miracles of Jesus walking on water, of Jesus raising Lazarus. They usually have no struggles with that. They say, well, that's just a miracle. I just accept that as a miracle. When God moved in creating the world in seven days, that's a miracle. He did that. And so in Hebrews, we read, 
by faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were made, I'm sorry, were not made, let me read this again, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. The things that exist today didn't come about by things that were visible already. They didn't evolve, in other words. They came into being because God spoke them into being. That's miraculous. Amen? God is the engineer and designer of all things. And when we accept that by faith, we begin to have treasures unlocked from Scripture. It's by faith that we understand these things. It was to the disciples that Jesus would say, you guys, you have little, tiny faith. And that's what keeps you from seeing and understanding all things. So faith is where we have unlocked new truth for us. Faith is where we accept what God says, even when we can't comprehend all the facts about it. Are you with me so far? For example, when we look at a seed that God has designed, we are not looking at the product of an evolutionary force. We are not looking at some product of mother nature. We are looking at an engineered product from the hand of God. And when I accept that and believe that, then it unlocks all kinds of wonders and truths about who he is and what he is like. The book of Romans says, For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead. In other words, if you want to... You want to take a 101 course, a beginner course on God? Start by looking at what he has created, and you'll understand some things about him when you come to it by faith. So we've been, we're two weeks in now to a series we're calling Seeds of Thanks. Today, we're going to zero in on a seed and look at the law of seed that God has established now, I said last week that when I say the laws of the seed, I don't mean commands in the sense of God giving law. I mean laws in the sense of like the law of gravity. That is a law that is in place. Nobody had to give you a command about the law of gravity. You figured it out pretty quick. And if you understand the law of gravity, you can experience some amazing things in your life. You can walk. Walking is a result of there being gravity. If not, I'd just be floating off into somewhere else, into nothingness. I would be out there. You may think I'm out there already. Walking is a function of gravity. I am held to this planet by gravity. The fact that you're able to drive here today, sit here today, that you have a house today are all the results of gravity. That's a good thing. If you've ever tried to go against the law of gravity... If you've ever tried to jump off your roof, if you've ever tried to do some crazy stunt, if you've ever tried skateboard tricks, 
You've probably experienced the fact that gravity is in place. You can't go against it. It will come against you. It's a law. It's in place. It's established. God has ordered it. So we learn and we walk in it. There is a law of the seed that God has established as well. It is written into the fiber of creation. And when we understand the law of the seed, then it begins to unlock all kind of treasures about God, about who Jesus is, and even what faith is. So, let's look at a verse this morning. We're going to camp out on this verse. John 12. This is Jesus speaking. And he says, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat, which we could equate that to a seed, like a seed, falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But, but, it's very important. If it dies, it produces much grain. You see, Jesus was an authority on the agriculture because he was there when he was all created. The scripture says, for by him and through him and for him were all things made. So if Jesus talks about agriculture, you can better believe it, it's accurate. But Jesus was about a whole lot more than just agriculture. He was about life as well. He was about faith as well. And when Jesus speaks, he gives principles and laws, and they apply across the board. And if it applies in agriculture, it applies in the faith realm as well. So this verse is packed with truth if you approach it from the side of Jesus knows what he's talking about when he talks about seed. He does. So let's make some um, observations here this morning, some things about a seed, some laws that are true about seed this morning. Our first law we're going to look at this morning is this. Before there can be life, there must be death. Before a seed can have life, it has to go through the process of death. If you've ever bought some seeds, if you've ever planted any seeds, you know that you can open that package, but you have to have some soil. And you have to take those seed and put them in that soil. You have to remove some of the soil, put them inside the soil, cover them over with the soil. They have to go through a burial process. They have to die before they can have life. You can't just put the seed in your kitchen window and say, grow. You can't just lay them on your dining table. You can't just put them out on your coffee table. You can't just pour them out on your back porch and say, come on, do it. It doesn't work that way. God has designed life to begin with death. What a fascinating principle. Before there can be life, there has to be burial. There has to be death. Before there can be life, there has to be death. The seed has to go into the soil. The seed has to be covered over. The seed has to remain there. It is a burial. It's a death. It has to be relinquished from our hand. It has to be left alone. It has to come to the end of itself. Separated from the others. Cut off from the light. Covered over completely. With seemingly no hope. That is, unless you know the power and the law of the seed. Mm. 
You see, faith works that way as well. If you want to come to a place in your life where you really experience faith and life, if you want to really come to a place in your life where you experience the depth of God's love, the wonder of his peace, the incredible overflowing joy that comes into our hearts, if you want to know his wisdom, you want to know his power, you want to know something about his plans for your life, you want to get a vision, you want to grow, you want to make your life count for something, you have to come to the place of death and burial first. Mm, Life always begins with death. So if you want to experience new life in Jesus Christ, You have to come to the place where you recognize, I can't do this on my own. I can't. I've tried. I've tried making my life work. I've tried it in my relationships. I've tried my work. I've tried my own personal life. I've tried bringing some kind of peace in my own heart and my mind, and it isn't working. In fact, I'm terrible at it. It doesn't work for me. The more I try, the more I fail, the more I work at it, the more I just blow it. I don't get there. That's because you can't get to life until you come to the place of death. The place where you, in your heart, say, God, I am completely incapable. God, I've made a mess of my life. God, I can't overcome this habit. I can't overcome this problem. I can't resolve the relationships. I can't make the guilt go away. I can't make peace come in my mind. I've tried, God. I've tried. I've tried chasing things. I've tried going after things. I've tried it. I can't make it happen. I can't make my relationships work. They're a mess. I'm a mess. I'm taking stuff to make me feel better, and I'm just not getting anywhere. But boy, it's so surprising how strong our stubborn will is. We don't like to die. We fight against it. I don't like coming to the place where I have to admit I failed. I don't like being at the place where I have to admit I'm incapable. I don't like being at that place where I'm weak. But Jesus says, this is where life begins, at the place of humility brokenness. This is the law of the seed. Life only comes after there's been death. And you stop being stubborn. You stop resisting. You stop faking it. You stop pretending and you admit it flat out. You confess it to God. And that's when life begins. And you can't get it until you get there. You're not going to attend church enough. You're not going to give enough. You're not going to sing enough. You're not going to do good enough until you come to the place of just complete brokenness. Death first, life second. It's funny how this pattern works throughout Scripture. It, It happens even after we become believers. It's a process that God uses. In fact, maybe you've had this happen to you. You've had a a hope, a dream, a vision, a prayer that you've longed for. Maybe it's about a certain area in your life. Maybe it's about a relationship, about a a situation, something you just want to see God work in. You've cried out for it. You've longed for it. And you you think, God, when is this going to happen? The principle is still true. 
Before there can be life, there has to be death. You have to get to the place where you let it go and say, God, I can't do this. I'm going to let it go from my hands into your hands. Only then, when it leaves our hand, only then when it's covered over, only then when it's buried, can new life begin. Stop trying on your own to make it happen. It's the law of the seed, law number one. Jesus said, whoever would save his life would lose it. But whoever will lose his life for my sake will find it. Law of the seed. Number two, our second law of the seed today is this, is that life emerges from buried seed and leaves what it was behind. It's a fascinating process that God has put in place. You probably learned about it in school called germination. You know, the seed goes into the ground, and there when it's covered over, something begins to happen. The seed begins to attract moisture from the soil around it. The moisture gets past the shell, goes into the center of the seed, and there, life happens. There, change begins to happen. There, growth begins to occur. There, life breaks out from the shell and pushes past the shell and begins a process, a twofold process. It sends out life down to become a root, and then it sends life up to become a sprout. And it's always in that order. Down as a root, up as a sprout. And guess what this direction and this direction have in common? They're both vertical. Before the life ever does anything horizontal, it always goes vertical. Vertical life comes first. In fact, there won't be any horizontal life until there is first vertical life. Until life cracks open your shell and life seeks truth deep until you have a foundation and then it begins to sprout up in your life and you begin to lift him up and live him out, then life happens. But life always emerges from buried seed and it leaves behind what it was. So let me show you a a graphic that'll help us with this picture here. So on the far left is our tiny little seed that was planted. It's there alone in the soil. Someone planted that seed by faith, knowing they knew the law of the seed. And then in the second one, you see, uh uh-oh, life is emerging. Some moisture got into the seed. Some truth got into the seed. Something caused the inside to begin to grow. Something caused life to just crack out of that seed. And it began to go down. You see it going down there in the second and the third image. And it's beginning to put down some roots. It's getting its foundation. It's discovering who it is. It's getting some stability. Because this is what you do. If you want to have life that grows up, you got to have some depth that goes down. you got to put your roots down into who Christ is. you got to understand something about who he is. And then you begin to have some life. And then you get to this fourth image right there. Hmm. The roots are being established. And then it begins to sprout 
It's moving up vertically now. And it's carrying with it what was the seed pod. It's carrying with it the shell in which it once had its life. It has its shell with it, but the new life, oh, is so much bigger than that shell. The new life can't be contained in that shell. The new life pushes forth and it pushes up and it comes up out of the soil and it makes something new happen and it's live, it's living, it's producing, it's different and it does something at this phase. It drops the shell. It puts behind it the container that once held it. It doesn't keep the old way anymore. The new life is different than the old life. And when new life emerges, it leaves old life behind. It disposes of the shell because the shell would only be a barrier to it becoming all that God had called it to be. Do you see what I'm talking about here? The growth is bigger than the seed. Now see, God didn't just design seeds for agricultural purposes. He did, but when he designed seed, he designed it so we would see with spiritual purposes. That's the real purpose of seed. And so here's a lesson. Here's a powerful truth. When you believe God's created it, you'll see design in it. You see, you were alone in your sorrow and your shame and your sin. Jesus came and spoke life to you. At some point, you have heard the gospel. You heard good news. You heard that there could be cleansing. You heard that there could be forgiveness. You heard that there was mercy. You heard that there was hope. And in your desperation, you cried out and said, God, I need that. I am dead. I am covered over. I am incapable. God, I need your life. And when that happened, when you cried out, boom, life erupted inside you. And it began to push past the shell. It began to push past your fears. It began to push past your shame. All of a sudden, people who once walked in great guilt and fear and shame Find hope and life bigger than it. We had scheduled for some people to be baptized this morning who are living pictures of this same truth. I can just tell you up front, some of these folks that that will be baptized, not today, but will be, by what I know of their personality, they are very shy people. The last place they would ever want to be found is up on this stage in front of everybody. Everybody staring at them. The room all quiet and looking right at them. But they, because life had come alive in them, said, I'm getting past my fear. I'm getting past my guilt. I'm getting past all the awkwardness because I want to make a statement about what Jesus has done to me. Amen? Amen. So in this process... Uh, The shell. The shell gets left behind. This says so much about what it means to walk with Jesus by faith. 
It means that as I continue growing and walking in him, that there are some things I need to intentionally leave behind. Some things that I used to do that I need to not do anymore because they are a hindrance to the life that is in me. That's why walking by faith, we begin to do some things differently than we did before. We begin to make some choices that are different than what we did before. We begin to go different places and say, I can't go to the places I used to go to because they are like a shell of death to me. I can't go to those places anymore. I can't talk like I used to talk. I need to put aside some language that I use, some stories that I tell, some things that are funny to, were to, funny to me. I leave those behind because they are a shell of death to me. I put those aside. I am now filled with a life bigger than what I used to be. So I don't do what I used to do. I change some habits. I change the places I go. I change the way I talk. I end some relationships that are destructive to me. I walk out of those because the life in me is bigger than the shell that was me. Amen? There's a really crazy story from history that illustrates this as well. History tells us that there were Roman emperors who were cruel. We know that from reading in history. History also tells us that they had some very unusual punishment forms. One of those was that if someone murdered someone, the one who was found guilty would have the victim who died strapped to their back and forced to carry with them for a period of time until they faced their own execution. Can you imagine the horror of carrying around a dead carcass and it being the one that you killed? This picture Paul used in writing in the book of Romans. When he thought about what he used to be, how he used to live, how he used to talk, what he used to deal with. He said it was like carrying around a dead carcass. And Paul writes in Romans 7, he says, who will deliver me from this body of death? I believe he was referencing that practice. I carry around what I used to be what I used to do, and the stench of it is still with me. I carry it. It's the shell of my sin. It's the shell of what I used to be. It's the shell of what I used to do. It's guilt. It's putrid. It's terrible. And wherever I go, it's still there. It doesn't matter if I say, gross, this is terrible. I'm going over here. It's with me. It doesn't matter where I go. It doesn't matter if I try to fan the pestilence away. It's still with me wherever I go. And he says, who's going to deliver me from all of this? The beauty is he gets to the end of seven and he gets to the beginning of chapter eight. He says, I'll tell you who will deliver me. 
Jesus Christ, my Lord, will deliver me. And he says, because I have trusted him, because I believe in him, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I can have the shell removed from me. I don't have to carry it around anymore. It's not mine anymore. It's been removed from me. I don't walk around in the death that I used to be. Whew. That's liberating. It's freeing. And when that life comes up in you, you consciously, willingly, passionately, lovingly set aside some things and say, I'm not going to do what I used to do. I've been delivered from a body of death. Amen? Amen. Amen. That changes us. It changes how we used to live and how we live now. Life emerges and it leaves behind what it used to be. You see, God has a lesson right here in this. I told you, whatever he creates, he has truth in. Let's look at the third law of the seed today. That law is this. The life that emerges from soil is nothing like what was buried in the soil. It's fascinating. Seeds. Let's take a... Let's think about a kernel of corn. We can all identify with that. It's a seed. If you want to grow some corn and you were to go to the store and get a kernel of corn, a package of seeds, you would take that little golden nugget and you would place it in the ground. What is it, about a quarter inch tall maybe? Maybe an eighth of an inch wide and it's shaped like a, a this, you know? And you plant it in the ground. It's dry. It's hard. It has seemingly nothing to it. And it's set there dry for a long time. But when you put it in the soil, and when it receives some moisture, and when it begins to grow inside, what comes up out of it is nothing like what it was when it went down into the soil. When it went into the soil, it was about a quarter inch tall. But when it comes up out of the soil, it can turn into something that may be six or eight feet tall. And it gets big. And it's producing leaves. And it's going to produce ears of corn from one kernel. What a wise God to create life in that way. It's a beautiful truth in agriculture, but it's a powerful truth in the spiritual realm as well. When it comes to faith in you, you see, you may have gone into the soil. You may have come to the end of your life as one who, or the end of your spiritual life, as one who says, I, I can't do it, God. I'm covered over with depression. I'm covered over with anxiety. I'm covered over with bitterness. I'm covered over with guilt. I'm covered over with shame. I'm covered over with addiction. And you come like that and are planted in the soil. You come to the place of death. When God speaks to you, what emerges from you is nothing like what was you. What comes up out of the soil for the person who is believing what he says they come to a place where anxiety 
doesn't have the grip that it once held on them. In fact, they become someone who is now filled with peace. And they're learning to walk in this new peace. For the one who's struggled with bitterness in their life and resentment and, and they have in their mind, they've got these profile pics of people who have hurt them and, and a list of things that each one's done to them. And they've got the events and they've got the scenarios and they've got all the pain cataloged with it. And just thinking about the person causes emotional and physical pain. For that person who says, I went into the soil that way. I went into the soil bitter. I went into the soil angry. When they believe, what comes up out of the soil instead is someone who knows forgiveness, someone who releases the captives, someone who sets people free, someone who no longer carries the weight of bitterness in their heart, on their face, and in their life. They find themselves free because what goes into the soil and receive life is nothing like what comes up out of the soil. It comes up looking completely different. If you had a corn stalk and a piece of corn sitting next to each other, you'd have a hard time thinking, this came from that? Yes. For the child of God, when we choose to believe, when we choose to receive what God has said, when we believe his truth and we begin to walk in it and practice it, what comes up out of our lives is nothing like what our lives used to be. I ran into someone the other day out at a, a restaurant, and it's someone I hadn't seen in a long time. They knew me from back in the 80s. And so we had a little bit of casual conversation, and they said, could you ever believe back then, that you'd be doing what you do now? That you were going to be a pastor? And I said, no, I didn't see that one coming <laughs> at all. It wasn't on the radar, wasn't on the plan, wasn't on the script, wasn't on the blueprint. I was headed in a very different direction. But when God begins to work, he'll cause something to erupt within you that is different than who you once were. Don't be afraid of the new life. Don't be afraid because it's going to make you look different. Don't be afraid because it may make you make some different life choices. Don't be afraid because you're going to start doing some things you didn't do before and stop doing some things that you did do before. Don't be afraid of those because that is where the new life is. In fact, it's the greatest evidence that there was life. That things are now different. This is the life that Jesus invites us to. So it's fascinating that Jesus uses this verse and he kind of gives this agricultural lesson. Unless a, a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. And you might think, wow, I didn't realize Jesus was a school teacher. Oh, he was. But he taught more than that. You see, Jesus wasn't just talking about grain. He was actually talking about himself in that passage. When Jesus said, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. Jesus was saying, I'm here, I'm a grain of wheat, and I'm me. But what's about to happen is, I'm about to be put into the ground. I'm about to go to the cross and die for your sin. 
I'm about to be placed in the grave like a seed placed in the ground to be covered over and left alone. I'm about to be there for three days. I'm about to be in the grave and you're going to wonder if there's going to be life. I'm about to be in the grave and you're going to wonder what is going to happen now to us. But you see, you have to know the law of the seed. What goes into the ground is not like what comes up out of the ground. And before there can be life, there has to be death. And so when Jesus went into the grave, he took with him your sin. He took the judgment for everything that you have done wrong or will do wrong. He took it on himself. That is what the horror of the cross was all about. He bore in himself the judgment for what you and I did in sin. And he went into the grave covered with our offenses. But one day passed and two days passed. And on the third day, the ground began to shake. The seed began to sprout. And Jesus arose with our victory in hand. He didn't come out like he went in. He came out something different. In fact, the Bible says now death no longer has dominion over him. He has no more restrictions. He now is risen and has the power to give forgiveness for anyone who calls upon him so that they can be set free, they can have seed watered, they can have new life in him. This is the power of the seed. This is the law of the seed. It was true for Jesus, and it's true for us today. This is how we now walk. This is how we now live. I live by the law of the seed. Jesus was buried for me. Jesus rose again for me. I have come to the end of me. And now I am alive from him. Our last verse today, Romans 6. Paul writes and he says, We were buried with him through baptism into death that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. He makes this reference here to baptism. And it's a reference to water baptism, but it's a reference to something more than that, really. It's a reference to the fact that our life has been consumed by, we have fallen into, we have allowed ourselves to be overwhelmed, covered over by the forgiveness and new life that is ours in Jesus Christ. I have been baptized into that. I am now immersed into that. And this new life is in me. And now it radiates from me. I can walk in a new way of living. So let me just ask you today, is there a newness about your life? Is there something that sets you today, 2019 you today, 2019 November 10th today? Is there something about you today that's different, 
than you before. Is there a freshness to your life? Is there a peace about your life that's different than before? Is there a hope about your life? Is there a passion about your life? Is there a a connection with God? Is there an intimacy with him that's different than before? As believers, this is what we do. We walk in this newness of life. Maybe you need to remember the law of the seed today. If you're at the place you say, you know, it's been a long time since I've seen any newness in my life. Then you go back to the place of the law of the seed. God, I admit I have been trying to do this thing on my own. I lay myself out before you. I bury myself in you. And then you receive the water. And then you receive the cleansing. And then you receive the hope. And then life begins to emerge. And then things will start to happen in your life again. And you start to make the changes. You walk in a newness of life. Amen? Amen. Maybe you're here today and this has all of a sudden caused you to realize you've not ever taken that step. Maybe the absence of newness is because you never have cried out to God and said, God, I need to be made new. I need to be rescued. I need to be born again. I've been doing it on my own. I'm far from you. The good news is, Jesus said, if any man thirst, if you long for something more, let him come to me, Jesus said, and drink. Let him take in my forgiveness. Let him take in my hope. Let him take in my peace because Jesus has paid the debt. You can be free. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? I'd ask you this. Is that you today? Is it you that's saying, I've never taken that step before, but this morning God is speaking to my heart. This morning, in fact, right now, God is reminding me of a truth I'd heard so long ago, but I never acted on it. And today, I want to be made new. And you're praying in your heart this prayer, Jesus, would you make me new? Would you forgive me? I want to walk in your ways. I want to have the newness of life. And I'm so thankful that you paid for my sin. I receive that today. And I ask you to come into me so that new life can begin. If that's you this morning, if you're praying that prayer, would you just let me know by raising your hand? Anybody here this morning, just as a way of letting me know, I am beginning new today. I've tried it on my own. I can't do it. Amen. For the rest of us here, if you've already made that decision, there's a newness of life we're called to walk in. This morning, would you make that commitment to God to say, I will leave behind my shell I'll leave behind what I used to be and what I used to do so that I can walk in the full newness of life Father this morning I thank you that there's hope and peace and grace and forgiveness and love in your son Jesus 
I thank you that when we were without hope, without strength, at the right time you sent your son so that we could know new life. And I thank you for a seed that shows us the power of your work in our heart. I pray we would be a people who truly do walk in newness of life, that we'd leave behind that old shell, leave behind that old sea that we used to be, and live in the newness of life. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. What an incredible message it was today, learning about the law of the seeds. Follow us down below and we'll see you next week.